gathered in their masses Just like witches at black masses Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Good afternoon and welcome back to another episode of Don't Sue Me Bro Podcast with me, your host, Brandon Harper. Today's Monday, September 11th, 2023, approximately 5.50 in the p.m., and I am just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with and others you won't, and that's perfectly okay with me. The world will be a better place if we could all disagree without being so dang disagreeable. If there's one thing you need to know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros and... You should go to my hammock website, worldsbesthammocks.com. Pick yourself out a fine, high-quality, world's literally best hammock. Where else can you get the world's best anything for only a few hundred bucks? I know, you didn't come here to hear me talk about hammocks. But you'll get your money's worth. Just hang tight. Now that we got that out the way, sit back, relax, put your curlers in, and let me run the show for about the next hour or so. it's been you know some weeks go by and I don't have anything to talk about and I don't know if it's just a product of what's going on in my life and then other weeks I have so many things to get to that I can't get to them all I mean I guess I could but you probably wouldn't want to listen that long so they just get bumped down the list on the DSMB note in my iPhone crazy to think that the 9-11-01 attacks were 22 years ago today and I know that everyone remembers what they were doing. And I think that's a, as sad as it is that that happened, it's kind of a, a, a neat way to help us remember the feeling that we got on that day. And I won't bore you with what I was doing. Well, may, nah, I won't. I'll save it till next year. I'll save it till next year. But, you know, when you think back on that, that day, it's pretty easy to remember how you felt. Everyone remembers where they were, what they were doing, who they were talking to when they got the news and they can pretty much recount the entire day just because it was something so tragic. And that's a fascinating trait of the human brains that, you know, I don't know if other animals have that or not, but I think it's pretty cool that we do. So, yeah, 22 days. That's crazy. It's, it's, uh, I remember it very clearly, and I'm sure you do too. But here we are, 22 years later. And now, you know, it feels like, I don't know, I hate to say this, I don't know why I hate to say it, but sometimes I wonder if there's more to 9-11 than what we know. And I know, I know, I'm being I'm being the stereotypical conspiracy theorist. And I'm okay with that. Only because as time goes on, we have more access to information. We can see more, we can read more, we can hear more. And so, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's there's things that come out and it makes me question truth you know it makes me question what really happened i won't die on the hill i'm not going to dig my own grave 
But sometimes I see things and I read things and I think, okay, if this is true, then we should start asking questions. And if you are at a point where you refuse to ask questions about things that, that you may not trust the people that are behind these items, that's not a good position to be in. And I feel like that as our country moves forward, we're becoming more and more prone to, to asking questions that we never would have before. And I think that's largely due to the fact that we have access to so much information. You know, the, the day that Kennedy was shot, it would have been preposterous to suggest that the government had something to do with it. But you fast forward all these years later, and now it's, it's like it's pretty much known. I mean, I don't want to say that, but it's, it's a plausible theory that the CIA had something to do with it. And people don't really call you crazy anymore. But if I were to question who was behind 9-11 or who maybe had access to information that knew it was going to happen that we had never talked about before, it's still I'm still kind of crazy, you know? I'm still kind of the one who's out of line for asking those types of questions. I saw a video posted this morning of the craft that flew into the Pentagon, and it hit, it hit directly from the side, directly from the side of the building. Now... I was reading some pilots' commentary, and it was hard to see because in 2001, you know, we we forget, but the video quality was terrible back then, and we didn't have a way to store the data. So the, the footage shows, like, half of something coming in the screen, and then the next frame is the building blowing up. And so from what I understand, that Pentagon is five stories tall. So if you were to fly a 747 into the middle of that wall, you would have had to have been 38 feet off the ground. And these pilots chimed in and said, I don't think that's an airplane. Because if that was a 747 and he was flying 38 feet off the ground, that's not something that you could just pick up at, at pilot school. Because these guys, remember, allegedly, they went to like private pilot school. And they learned how to fly airplanes and they allegedly told everyone that they didn't care about taking off or they didn't care about landing and we we're just like okay that's fine but either way these pilots said you would have had to have been flying a 747 in that particular model right it was like the 747 322 or something and they said you would have been a highly skilled pilot with lots and lots and lots of time to be able to reliably fly that plane that low and just hit the side of the building now who knows maybe, maybe it was all true but in the picture, it didn't look like an airplane, and it was definitely flying into the side of the building. And so, okay, maybe we can agree that, hey, that's not enough evidence to say there's more to it than what we were thinking. But maybe it is enough evidence to look further and say, okay, let's keep looking. And allegedly, at the site of the Pentagon, they found the passport of one of the guys flying the plane. But in the photo of the passport... It's not burned, it's not charred, there's no fire damage whatsoever. And and it's kind of like the bullet that they claim went through Kennedy's head. You know, I know exactly what a bullet looks like when it goes through an animal. And this bullet had not gone through an animal. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't know how these things get out there. I don't know what's true anymore. But I'm just saying, even if it's, all this is fake, even if it's not true, we can go into it with an open mind and we can say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. What am I missing wrong? Shoot holes in my theory. And that should be acceptable. You know, I don't think that we should shun people or make fun of people for questioning things. And, and the reason for that is because I don't trust our government. I really don't. And I know that's a broad thing to say, to just overall trust, yes or no. But I have to ask myself, let's just say that someone came to them and said, hey, it's going to suck. We can do this, but it will pull the country together. It will allow us to go into Iraq. It will allow us to seize a bunch of oil. We're getting ourselves out of the dot-com bubble. And so maybe they just did it. You know, Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. We have to be okay with just saying maybe. And maybe if, if they see us, the plebs, right, the little cogs in the wheel, if they see us down here questioning things, maybe they'll be less likely to continue to do those things in the future. And I understand it, it could just be a, a numbers game for them, right? It's like, well, there's 330 million people in the U.S. If 3,000 of them die and we turn our economy around and we're able to go steal a bunch of oil, is it worth it? 
and I don't think it should be looked at that way. I don't think turning the economy around is something that's worth killing innocent people for. And if, if there are people that are making those decisions, we need to figure that out and get rid of them and, and rid our country from those types of people. Because I understand that there's a point in time where collateral damage is worth it. If we have to send people off to war for whatever reason, then, then we could talk about that. But if we're just trying to turn around the economy and go exploit Iraq's oil, then that's not something that, that we should just allow to happen. And the more we question these types of things, even if we don't get answers, the less likely people would be to continue doing them if they did, in fact, did them, do them, whatever. But let's just say that we're wrong and we question these types of things. Now, think about it from a point of view of somebody who's considering doing something like this or, or having thoughts of, okay, maybe if I do something bad, something good will come of it. And if they see us digging around and finding things, they will then be less likely to also do it. So I don't think much bad can come out of questioning things. And that's just my opinion. You know what? You, you may think that we should never question anything, and whatever the government tells us, we should just believe them because they're, they're our elected leaders and they have the interest of our country at heart. And if that's your opinion, that's your opinion. We just have to agree to have different opinions. And no matter which is true or not, it, it, we can still mourn the loss of the innocent lives. You know, that's who, who to blame is irrelevant. The fact is we lost a bunch of people and moms and dads never came home to their children. And some children never came home to their moms and dads. And that's a tragedy. And it, it's okay to recognize that as such and still say, maybe there's more to it than what we know. You know, you just got to sometimes you got to open up your mind, take it all in and not be such a my team, your team kind of person. It was cold to hell. I should have let film stay and let y'all see that that one that's going to happen to that white woman for letting that damn baby in that road. Speaking of questioning things and letting that damn baby in that road. Are you aware how much money we've sent to the Ukraine as of right now? Now, I know there's people out there that say, well, some of it was ammunition. It was it was weapons, and we need to give it away so we can replace it with new stuff. Why do we need to give away old stuff? Why can't we just keep old stuff and buy new stuff? Either way, we're giving away resources. So let's say, okay, maybe we haven't given away $200 billion worth of cash, but we've given away $200 billion worth of ammunition. That's still worth $200 billion. We still have to go replace it. We have to go buy its replacement. And so let's just break down what, you know, $200 billion. What, what all can you get? $200 billion? Well, you can get like, what, five Twitters? You can buy Twitter five times? Something like that? You know what you can do? You know what you can do with $200 billion? You can pay for the entire country's health care for four months. That would be every procedure, every surgery, every doctor's visit, every piece of prescription drugs, everything. $200 billion. You could pay for the entire country for three months. I don't know about you. I don't go to the doctor very much, but I would much rather choose that than send the money to the Ukraine, right? Can you imagine, like, being these people that lead us, supposedly, these politicians saying, okay, what we're going to do is these people, the, these little underlings, these lemmings, they're going to work really, really hard. And then what we're going to do is we're going to tax them. We're going we're gonna to take about 20% of everything that they earn, and we're going to get them any which way we can. You know, if, we, if they own property, we'll get some. If, that buy, if they buy bubble gum, we'll get some. If they buy an airplane, we'll get some of that too, right? So no matter what you do, no matter where you go, you're going to pay taxes. So they're going to take, take the taxes and they say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to send this over to Ukraine. We're going we're gonna to send it to them. Uh, why are we going to do that? Oh, because Russia. Russia what? Well, Russia's invading them. Remember <laughs> Kamala talked about Russia invading Ukraine and how it was bad? So 
Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically, that's wrong. Basically, that's wrong. So I guess because because one country invades another country, we automatically tax our citizens and send our hard-earned money to Ukraine. Does this this doesn't even make sense? You an eight-year-old would probably tell you that this is a terrible plan, right? What's in the deal for us? You know, what's in it for us? I heard the other day that the U.S. has spent more money funding the Ukraine war than Russia has. <laughs> how hilarious is that? This just goes to show you how powerful the media is and how much they can convince people. Like, to think that we're so foolish, that the American citizens are so silly, to think that Russia just decided they wanted land and they were just going to take it, that there's no backstory, that there's no history, that there's no second side of the coin, that they, they've made Putin out to be this monster who's like, I will just take whatever I want. I will just go conquer one country, then the next country, and one day the entire world will be Russia. No. No, people. Think. Use your brains. Basically, that's wrong. And I will stand by my sentiment. If you'll remember, way back when all this nonsense started, remember what I said, oh, Brando? I said, here's what's going to happen. This is going to drag on forever and ever. And then one day, everyone will say, we should have just let them take Ukraine. And I stand by that sentiment. You don't have to agree. That's perfectly okay. You know, you may think that fighting Ukraine's war is a good thing. And you are entitled to that opinion. And we could still hang out and drink a beer. But, I mean, if we're all being honest, you if you feel that way, you're probably not drinking beer. You're probably drinking, like, Felter or, like, kombucha. I do like kombucha, for the record. I do like me some kombucha. I've made it before, just like I've tried to make just about everything. <laughs> I made kombucha. I could never get it quite right, but I've made it, and I drank it. And that is the significance of the passage of time. The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here, and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. Could not have said it any better myself. So that's where we are with the Ukraine. About 200 billies sent over there. But no worries. We're, we're going to win, you know. We're going to win. We don't, Even though we don't know who's winning and who's losing, we're going to win. Just keep sending them money. Just keep sending them money. You know what we ought to do? We ought to send them some F-16s. Yeah, we ought to send them some jets that they don't know how to fly and that they don't know how to work on and that they can't get parts for. And that they don't have the right tools to work. You know, yep, those those same jets that we spend years teaching people how to fly and years teaching people how to work. Let's just send them over there. Let's just, I, I'm fine with it as long as they would promise to video every minute of flight and mechanic time. I would love to see that. Imagine a live stream of the Ukrainians teaching themselves to fly F-16s. That would make some money. Just for the record, in case you've never listened before, you don't know me. I'm not for war. I'm typically not for invading countries. I don't think you should invade a country unless you want to live there. If you want to take over and conquer the place, then go for it. Invade it. But if you're not willing to do that, there's no sense in doing it. It's never worked in the past. Look how many times we've occupied countries and look how little we've changed. That ought to tell you all you need to know. One, two, three, four, five. Then the gators don't take no jive. You know who else don't take no jive? Joe Biden. Joe Biden don't take no jive. Joe Biden was in Vietnam last couple days or so. 
and he was giving a speech on stage at Hanoi. And as usual, he gets confused, doesn't know what to say. He starts putting words together as fast as his little brain could possibly go. And what happens? Oh, his handlers interrupt him and call him off stage in the middle of his speech. Listen, I'm not one to make fun of old people, but I am one to give people a hard time because I told them before this election, I said that man's brain is not right. He is mushy brain. He's going to get worse, and y'all are going to feel stupid. And so now, in order for me to prove my point, I play these clips so I can show you how right I was. Yeah, we talked we talked about we talked about at the conference overall we talked about stability we talked about making sure that the third world the uh, excuse me third world the uh, the the, uh, the southern hemisphere had access to change it had access we, it wasn't confrontational at all you came thank, thank you everybody this ends thank, the press thank, conference thanks everyone thank you thank you And that's it. Yeah, the heat. some reporters started shouting questions and Biden starts responding to him and his mics are already off. So they turn his mics back on. He gave some half-assed answer that no one can understand and then just shuffles off. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much worse it's got to get. At what point do the people that are surrounding him say, all right, guys, we, we got to stop this, like, we can no longer pretend like he's fine because it's clear that he's not. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Hanoi, Hanoi Biden walks off the stage. Hadn't been to East Palestine yet, hadn't been to Ohio that uh, the chemical spills caused everyone to get sick or whatever. But here he is in Hanoi on September 11th. I bet he's so confused. Imagine him being like, where, where are we going? And they're like, we're going to Hanoi. In Vietnam. Okay, okay. But remember, we're going to have to do a little piece about it being September 11th. And imagine how September 11th and being in Vietnam and traveling to different time zones confused this man. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's not, you know? It, you've seen people who decline, and you know that those factors would just twist them all up into a, a ball of confusion. This is what's happening to our president. You know, it's one thing when it happens to your family member and and they're retired and they're they're done working and it's sad. But it's even more sad when you're supposed to elect this person to lead the country through chaos and uncertainty. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. I'm gonna run a back hole and uproot that tree. I wanna know where to go. I want to go. Give me the gold. I want the gold. I want the gold, too. Actually, I don't want the gold. I want the Bitcoin. You can have the gold. I'll take the Bitcoin. Speaking of crackheads that got a hold to the wrong stuff, I think I mentioned last week's podcast. I don't know for sure. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know. I can't remember what I talk about sometimes. But we had this lady who called Beerland, and she was so upset because her credit card was charged twice, right? I'm going to just tell it again in case people didn't hear it. So this lady calls. It was like Sunday last week. And I answer the phone and I say, hey, New Ace Brewing Company, I was charged twice. I know. I'm sorry, ma'am. What happens is we authorize the card and then it runs that authorization for that amount whenever we open your tab instead of just one cent. But it'll get refunded. Well, I'm just letting you know that I was declined. The next place I went to, I was declined because... The uh, overdraft charges hit my account, and so I just I just don't understand why you people do it this way. And I proceeded to explain it to her. We went back and forth. She ended up telling me that I was an asshole. Or she called me something, and then hung up on me. I said, "Okay, whatever. I don't have time for you people." Well, fast forward to Monday. A couple days later, this was last week. She calls up on on Tuesday, actually Tuesday. And go, were you the gentleman I spoke with last weekend? And I go, yep, that was me. She's like, I'd like to speak to the owner. And I go, you got him. She's like, oh, you're the owner? And I go, yep. And then she goes on and on again about how she doesn't understand 
why we don't just change systems. Because what, what happens is people walk up, they start ordering, I want a brisket sandwich and a beer, okay? Brisket sandwich, beer. Would you like to open a tab? Yep, we swipe the card. Well, it pre-authorizes for that amount. So now it's going to show a pre-authorization for whatever, $16. And then when they close out, it's the full amount of their entire tab. Well, then it, it hits their bank account, and they always flip out. It's only certain banks that do it, by the way. So our our point-of-sale system is contingent on whatever the bank says. Nope, we have to show this and show that and show the credit. So people flip out on Monday, Tuesday morning when they're looking at double charges, and they think that, you know, what's crazy to me is that they think it's, like, malicious. Like, you all double charge me. Okay, well, no, we didn't. It was just an authorization. Well, I, you know, I just don't understand why you charged me twice. I'll just explain it to you, but you're not smart enough to listen or understand, so I don't know what else I can do. So anyway, so this lady called Tuesday, asking to speak to the owner. I told her I'm the owner, which I'll just say, whenever I answer the phone and someone's looking for the owner, I love it. I love it, especially when they're mad. So we kind of went round and round, and we went through the same thing again. I said, look, I understand, but we're not going to switch our point of sale system because one person doesn't like the way the pre-authorization shows up, and she lost it. She's like, it's not just that I don't like it. It's that it can ruin people's lives. And I kind of laughed a little bit. I go, wait, 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 what? Ruin people's lives? She's like, yeah. What happens if somebody writes a check on that account and it bounces because you double-charged their card? And I go, hasn't happened yet. And because of the fact that it hasn't happened yet, you haven't ruined anyone's life, we're not going to change the way we do it. And she's like, you know, you used to have good service. You used to have good service. And I go, wow, is this bad service? And she goes on and on. Finally, I go, lady, look, lady, what do you want? Just like that. What do you want? <laughs> and she did not like that. She's like, for you not to be a effing beep and hung up again. So I just chuckled and hung up. You know, I've gotten to the point in my life where, you know, when people act that way, I just smile and wave and laugh because I, I'm not going to deal. My life's too short. I, I don't have the time and energy to get frustrated with these people. So all that to say this, I think what the lady was really upset by was the fact that I didn't just sit there and take it. You know, for the longest time, We've been conditioned that the customer is always right. And, oh, ma'am, I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Let me let me see what I can do to make this right. I am so, I'm sorry. What can we do for you? And I think we need less of that. Now, you got to be fair. And when you screw up and you drop the ball and you do something wrong, it's important that you own it. But this whole bowing down just to salvage one customer... I'm not for it. And I understand that everyone runs their business differently. But as for me and my business, if people escalate, I will go to their level, sometimes a little higher. And people are not used to that, especially women. And I don't mean that in the wrong way, but typically men tend to be a little bit more accommodating to women. You may not believe me, and I will encourage you to do some research and figure out why the airplane computers, when they give verbal instructions, figure out why it's a woman's voice. Also figure out why it's a woman's voice plugged into AI when people are trying to order and there's a voice talking back to them. It's always a woman. And I think it's important that we understand when, when it's time to push back, right? We don't teach our kids, well, I don't have kids, but if I did, I wouldn't teach them, hey, if you're getting bullied, just turn the other cheek. Just even if they hit you in the jaw, you just go tell. I wouldn't teach my kid that. I wouldn't teach anyone that. I wouldn't tell my daughter, my son, nobody. I would teach my kid, hey, if somebody bullies you, you escalate it. You take it to the next level. You punch them in the jaw. If someone lays their hands on you in an aggressive way or an uncomfortable way, you have every right to punch them in the face. And I know that seems barbaric, but pushing back on bad behavior is just like punishing it, right? You can extinguish an unwanted behavior if you punish it. And the types of people that bully people aren't used to having people push back on them. 
And I think it's very important that we make it known that it's okay to push back. And I'll, I'll tell you what, like here in Texas, when everybody has guns, I won't, I won't let things get to that level. You know why? Because I don't want to get shot. And I don't have a gun on me most of the time, but other people might. And so because of that, I don't escalate things in person. I mean, if someone puts their hands on me, I'm going to put my hands back on them. But I want to try to keep things at a reasonable level so that nobody gets shot. And there's a time and place to shoot people, unfortunately, but I want to avoid that at all costs. So I just think it's a it's a delicate tightrope of, of being respectful and not letting someone just push you around. I mean, I've never been bullied my whole life. I've never had to deal with it. And I think it's because I push back. I mean, it's not I don't have any other kind of superpower, you know. It's because I'm confident and I look people in the eye and I don't let them bully me. And I would encourage everyone to not let yourself be bullied. And if you feel like you've done something in the right or you're doing things a certain way for a particular reason, then stand behind those reasons and don't let a minority or one single customer or one single neighbor or one person convince you that you're wrong. And that's that's where we're getting today. People are fearful that everyone will think something about them. Well, if they know you, they'll know what to think. If they don't know you, then it really doesn't matter what people think. That, you know, nigga, nigga this, nigga, nigga, please, nigga. You know, can you lend a nigga a pencil? That's from a news clip, so just chill out. I want to whip his behind. That's what I want to do right now. If I thought they wouldn't take me to jail, I'd whip his behind right now. So don't be a Karen, you know. If you're dissatisfied with something, just go about communicating your dissatisfaction respectfully. That's it. If you do that, you don't have to worry about anybody being a quote-unquote dick to you. And furthermore, if people treat you with disrespect, just give it right back to them. You know, just just escalate to their level. <laughs> Maybe that's terrible advice. I don't know. I never said you're coming here for good advice, but you're coming here, and, and there's some advice. and You don't have to follow it. If you want to be the kind of person that teaches your kid, son, you don't. You just turn your other cheek to that bully, and even if he punches you in the mouth or he pushes you, you don't look at him, okay? Just don't make eye contact with him. You know, you, imagine teaching your kid that and them going through life. That anytime someone try to create conflict, that they just look the other way and don't make eye contact. That is not going to produce a desirable outcome. I ain't want to go knock on no goddamn by the door and get shot trying to hit the little white baby. Okay, moving along for real this time. You know what term I saw the other day? I think it was in regards to the Ukraine. I don't know. I don't remember where I saw it. But I was reading something, and I remember seeing the word, and I thought to myself... It won't be long until that word is adopted in the U.S. and A. And people who are patriotic and they love their country and they want to put America first and they think that we should defend our borders from unwanted immigrants and that we shouldn't send 20% of our hard-earned money to the Ukraine war. They're going to be using this word. People like me, they're going to be calling people like me hyper-nationalists. hyper Nationalists. So not only are you a nationalist, but you are you are taking part in hyper nationalism. In this this particular article, I believe was about Ukraine or so, some other country. You know that it was like they're fighting hyper nationalism. I could just hear. I could just hear the person who wrote it say it, and that's exactly what it would sound like. So let's dissect that. Let's let's talk about what hyper nationalism might be right in my opinion and, and and this is i guess up for discussion right but they use these words and there's no real definition for them so we have to make up definitions and then fight about them but in my opinion hyper nationalism is someone who not only cares most about their country but they care even more than that you know not only do i love this country but i really love this country and I don't see how this is bad. I kind of feel like everyone should should be like a hyper-nationalist about their own country. And that doesn't mean that you hate other countries. That just means that you really, really, really love your own country. 
And I don't know why we have such a hard time accepting that, right? We don't lock our doors because we hate our neighbors. We lock our doors because we love our family. And it's I think it's it's hard for people to to grasp on a on a group level or you know, it's it's easy to say that about your own personal house and what's inside your house and your family and the things you have. But for whatever reason, people have a really hard time scaling that up into, okay, we also love the things that are in this country. We love them the way they are, or or maybe we want to change them, but we want to be in control as to how they change. We can't just make it a free-for-all. So because of that, because we really, really love our country, we will do things like, hey, guys, we have to limit the number of immigrants that come in this country every year. We have to make sure that we invest in things like infrastructure because we really love this country. And and I don't get it. I really don't understand how these people can think that we should put other countries first. You know, there's starving children all over the world. There's even some here in the USA. And wouldn't it make sense that we make sure that our kids aren't hungry before we give money to other kids who are hungry? Now, a hungry kid is a hungry kid. And unless we can make all of them unhungry, how do we go about doing it, right? How do we solve the problem of hunger if we can't afford to solve it for every single person? How do we pick? Well, it makes sense to me that we would select kids that are in our country first. Now, that doesn't mean that if someone wants to give to a poor country in Guatemala or a poor family in Guatemala, that they shouldn't be able to, right? It's your money. It's your charity. You can do whatever you want to with it. If I want to give it here to the U.S., I'd give it to the U.S. If I want to give it to somebody in Nicaragua, I can do that too. But I don't think the government should be held to that standard, right? Because remember, that money that they're giving out, we paid it in. We worked for the money that they have. The only way the government gets money is by taxing people. So be on the lookout for hyper-nationalism. It'll come about. I think it'll happen you know, right around when Trump starts getting hot and heavy in his campaign. There will be people that wave American flags and they'll be criticized for being hyper-nationalists. And that's fine. You know what? I, I think about making a bumper sticker that says hyper-nationalist on it because I really, really, really love America. And if you don't really, really, really love America, chances are you've never seen other countries. You've never seen how other countries have it. Even the great countries that we consider great, they don't have it all that good. They don't have it that good. Just go take a trip somewhere that you think has it better and talk to them and understand their way of life and their standard of living and the hobbies that they have and the types of vehicles that they use to transport themselves and let me know. Let me know if you think that they have it better. Speaking of other countries, remember that time that Justin Trudeau, who's the prime minister of Canada, said that the the truckers who didn't think they should have to get vaccinations because, well, they're sitting in their trucks by themselves all day, every day. Remember when he said that their their views were unacceptable? I mean, could you imagine living in a country where the leader of the country tells you that your viewpoints are unacceptable? Like, you have an issue with this vaccine, this this chemical that they're wanting everyone to inject into their body, and you don't want to do it, and that is an unacceptable viewpoint. Can you imagine? The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing. Unacceptable views they're expressing. Your views are unacceptable. You're that is just unacceptable. The fact that you won't take a shot that you know nothing about that hasn't even been approved by anyone that was just invented three months ago that is unacceptable. Can you imagine the nerve? Could you be any more arrogant? Could you be any more condescending? I don't understand how we can elect these people. Well, I know we didn't elect that dude, but come on, Canada, you can do better, as they say. While we're on the topic of governments and my blood pressure's all worked up, I want to talk about the green energy revolution, okay? Everyone pretty much knows how I feel about ESG, which is the 
the score that the government gives out for your environmental, your social, and your governance rating, how good people you are. Everyone knows how I, where I stand on kind of all this. And if you don't know, well, you'll learn if you keep listening. And so I heard something the other day that was talking about how much money is pouring into these solar companies from the CHIPS Act. If you remember a while back, I talked about it. They passed a bill that gives subsidies, right, free money to any kind of green energy company. Well, solar is one of those. And so the government right now is just making it rain on green energy companies. And I, you know what? I'll shoot you straight. I bought stock in a company called Enphase, ticker E-N-P-H, that specializes in solar panels and inverters and batteries. And I did that in hopes that their stock will go up and I'll be able to sell it and make a profit. And I have a lot of faith that it will because they're being paid by the government. So they don't have to produce a good product. They don't have to win in the marketplace. They just have to do good enough to get their subsidies. So we have companies that cannot survive without government money. Well, they could survive. They could possibly survive. They would just have to raise their prices in hopes that the consumers were willing to spend extra money on their products because without the government to be there to offset their operating costs, the price of their product would have to be higher. So if you have a, a, a company that can't survive without the government, without, without someone saying, here's your free money, now just do business and use the free money to make sure you get by. Now who's in charge? Who's in control of that situation? It's not the company. It's the, it's the people the company's relying on. It would be like if you had one customer, if you had a business and you made widgets, and your widget purchaser, the guy who bought all the widgets from you, let's just say he bought 90% of your widgets every year, you're relying on that guy. You're relying on his business to make sure that you stay in business. And this is what's happening right now with all these chip companies and green energy companies is that they're relying on the government to get by. And because of that, the government is in control of them. It's no different than the teenager who relies on their parents for their automotive insurance and their fuel and their tires and their oil. The parent can take that car away. They can say, nope, you can't use the car to go riding this Sunday. You got to leave it at home because you made bad grades. And so this is effectively what's happening with these green energy companies. And I think that the reason why, the, you know, I've been struggling, I've been racking my brain to figure out why are they so hell-bent on these green energy companies? Because, listen, it's not about the environment. As much as everyone would love it to be about the environment, it's not, okay? So I've been asking myself, why is it that they're so emphatic on, on controlling these companies and giving them money? The only thing I can come up with is that they saw how much power the oil companies were getting. The oil companies were gaining power because they were so rich and they're gaining control to, of land and access to resources. And so that's the only thing that I can come up with is that they are just, they're not going to let that happen again. You know, they're not going to let one industry control a majority of the money. They want to be in control. All the people who think that they're smarter than everybody can make decisions, they want to be the ones who can control it. And think about it. Think about if you want to be in control, you want to control your population, and you control the power, and you control their cars, you can have a, a back door switch into their car that can turn it off. So you can say, sorry, your car can't charge right now. You've been a bad boy. A real bad man. And so because of that, you don't get any power to charge your car. Or if you do get power, maybe the government starts requiring car manufacturers, <coughs> Tesla, to install a switch where the government could just shut it off, right? Think about it, how it would, it would do things like it would stop police chases. It would keep people who have stolen a vehicle to, to force them to stop driving or a kidnapper to stop. So they can sell the idea based on all these good things. But in reality, they're the ones that are in control, and that's really what they want. And they could, they could sell the good points and keep their mouth shut about the things that we don't want them to do. 
And that's about all I could come up with. You know, they don't want they don't want companies to have major control again. Pe- people who control energy control a large portion of the country. And even though the government kind of had their hand involved a little bit, oil companies, you know, they, they kind of would do what they wanted. Here, here. You don't have to take my word for it. Just just listen to to Auntie Maxine. What guarantees are you going to give this liberal about how that will reduce the cost of uh of uh, gasoline at the pump if we let you drill where you say you want to drill. I can guarantee to the American people because of the inaction of the United States Congress ever increasing prices unless the demand comes down and the $5 will look like a very low price in the years to come if we are prohibited from finding new reserves, new opportunities to increase supplies. And guess what this liberal would be all about? This liberal will be all about socializing. Uh, um, would be about basically taking over and the government running all of your companies. I just, I wonder, the, the deep down inside, I want to know, did she mean to say that? Because it's important, right? If, if she's like, no, uh-uh, I was just confused and I was just speaking. I don't even know really what I was saying all too much. Okay, you know what, maybe, maybe I would believe that, maybe I wouldn't, but I would just like to have the opportunity. If I ever meet, I'm going to say, hello, hello, Miss Waters, it's a pleasure to finally meet you, and I, lo- I love everything you're doing for our community, and I just want to know, when you were talking to the CEO of Shell Oil, and you told him that you would want to take over all the businesses, basically, is that really what you meant? I'm just curious. I wonder what she would do. I never said that. That's probably what I should say. Could you imagine the government running oil companies? Could you <laughs> imagine them out there running the directional drilling rig? How long it would take to get stuff done? How lazy people would be? How much more fuel would cost? I don't know. It'd be interesting to figure out. I bet you, this is me just shooting from the hip. Right? I'm, just, I'm just putting the 12-gauge on my hip, and I'm pulling the trigger. I would be willing to bet that if the government took over oil companies prices would double price of your gasoline at the pump would double probably electricity would double because natural gas produces electricity most of the time and yeah yeah how one word maxine would say imagine if the government took over oil companies the prices of fuel doubled who would maxine be mad at you know who would they have to blame see did y'all hear about this dude that went on Tucker Carlson who claims that he smoked crack and had gay sex with Barack Obama? It's been interesting seeing the direction that this has gone and how some people think it's a good thing that Tucker interviewed this guy and some people think it's a bad thing that Tucker interviewed this guy. I don't really care one way or another. I feel like Tucker can interview whoever he wants to interview. The idea that he shouldn't interview someone who would paint a former president in a bad light is just as silly as saying that we shouldn't question things that might seem a little bit off. Now, it's not going to change anything if this all comes out to be true. The guy's already done Ben Presidente. Nothing else he can do now. But once again, it's just an illustration to show us that maybe they lie to us, you know, Maybe we're to a point in our technological development that we can catch them in their lies. We can stop them and we can dissuade them from from wanting to continue lying because it's clear, at least in my opinion, they've been getting away with it for the last hundred years. And what's really funny to me is that most of the people who are really upset about this gay man going on Tucker Carlson's show and spilling the beans about Obama, they're, they're mainly liberals who are mad. The conservatives, they don't care, right? They're just like, oh, man, that's funny. He's a crackhead, likes to suck, boop, boop, you know what? But it, it's, the, it's the group of people who say, it's okay if you want to do drugs. If you're gay, it's fine, which I don't care what people do either. If they're gay, that's fine. That's nothing to do with me. But these people who run around and make it a point to preach acceptance, so we should... We should just accept everything, no matter what it is. We should just accept it. Are mad that that Tucker 
pulled this guy on his show. Do we have nothing better to worry about than whether or not some interviewer that you don't watch, that you don't like, had someone on his show, possibly exposing someone that's a has-been? Who cares? His his term's over with, you know? It, but, yeah, I, just, I found it a little bit ironic that they care so much what this person says. And it's like I always say, if it's a crazy person, you just ignore them. And it, in their opinion, if this guy's a crazy person, they should just ignore him. Who cares what he says? But apparently they do. You know, they they don't think it's right for Tucker to give him a platform. And this whole, like, give him a platform, I'm, like, sick and tired of hearing it. Everyone should get a platform to say anything about anyone at any time, any day of the week. I don't care what color their hair is. I don't care how many piercings they have. Everyone should be allowed to speak freely. And we should get to decide whether or not we want to listen to them. And then if we do listen to them, then we get to decide whether or not we believe them. And the idea that we are not capable of making those decisions is pretty insulting, if you ask me. The people who don't want certain voices to be heard must think that you are not capable of deciphering the truth. And to me... That is a bad spot to be in. And I am am the first to admit, okay, like, are there certain things that people say that I don't want to hear? Yes, of course. Do I think people should be stopped from saying that they think pedophilia should be accepted? As much as I despise those people and hate them and, and would love to do physical harm to them, I still don't think that they don't have a right to be heard, right? I mean, we have to draw the line somewhere. If if someone is standing outside of a building and they're saying, everyone bring your gun, come with me, we're going to march in there, we're going to shoot everybody, yes, you have to stop that. You cannot, you cannot let that happen. Or you can sit there and you can be prepared. And you can have people there waiting saying, you guys can keep talking, you can have your guns, you can do whatever you want to do. But the minute that all you guys start making your way into this building, we're going to shoot every last one of you you know you have to stop certain things but if someone is saying well you know my my name's john and i play video games and i live in my mom's basement and i'm just i'm attracted to little boys and i i think it should be legal to have relationships with little boys okay uh, that's fine you can think that all you want to but you're crazy and we don't care we don't care what you think you know it's it's just telling to me that people want to deplatform people because they're afraid that the dummies will listen to them. We have to have more faith in humanity. And the longer that we do things like protect people from hearing things by using the law, I'm all for parents filtering what their kids hear. They're your kids. Filter it. Don't let them be exposed to things you don't want them to be exposed to. But let's not make rules limiting what people are and are not allowed to say. Because when we do that, we're, we're keeping people from learning how to decipher information. We're not requiring people to use discernment, right? It's like if you bowl, you're, you start bowling when you're four, and you never take the bumpers off the lane, you'll probably never learn how to bowl because you never threw the ball in the gutter. And so if later in life they remove the bumpers, you're probably going to be a terrible bowler. Because you never had to figure out how to bowl without the bumpers there. And it's just odd to me that people don't see this. People are so concerned with being right that they're not allowing people. When I say right, I mean correct, right? They're not, people are so concerned with being correct that they're not willing to let people say stupid things even if other stupid people believe them. That's mind-boggling to me. That, that goes against everything that our country was founded on. The reason our country is here is because we wanted to be able to say the stupid things that we want to say. And I'm so grateful for people like Elon Musk who were using their influence to say, wait, 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 time out. Look, I'm not from here, you guys, but I'm smart enough to see that taking away free speech is the opposite of what this country should be doing. And I commend him immensely. 
He's he's probably forty billion dollars in the hole on Twitter. He's so far upside down, that company's losing money. Advertisers are leaving, and I commend him, man. I I am so grateful that he's doing it. And <laughs> if I thought that I wouldn't get kicked back off Twitter, because I I kind of got back on with a new email address, and so I would gladly pay the eight dollars a month, but I'm worried they're gonna figure out that I got kicked off. And I got kicked off for something stupid. It's not even something good. Maybe I'll just send an $8 check every month to Twitter and, and don't tell them who it's from. And you know what? That's what I should do. I'm going to do that. I'm going to type out a note and say, Dear Elon, I was kicked off Twitter for something I think was erroneous, but I want to contribute to what you're doing, and I don't want you to know who I am. So here's my $8 a month and put it on auto bill pay and just show up at Twitter. You know what? I'm going to do it. I will report back next week i'm gonna do it and i think i'm also going to end this podcast it's been real i'm coming up on an hour i still gotta edit i gotta cook some dinner i gotta play with the gypsy dog and go to sleep and get up and do it all over again tomorrow you know the treadmill of life never stops even if you have money even if you have all the money in the world your days are numbered the amount of minutes that you have here on earth are ticking down. You got to make best of them. You got to you got to use them and be productive and produce things. I kind of feel like I'm giving instructions, which was not my intentions. But I think it's important to feel productive. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. Go be productive. I greatly appreciate you listening to the Don't Sue Me Bro podcast. I hope that you have a great week this week. I'd like for you to go out there, stand strong in your convictions. Don't let nobody bully you. Don't be afraid to escalate to somebody's level, but at the same time, use your common sense and don't get yourself into a position you can't get yourself out of. It's a fine line. Do your own research about the World Trade Center and 9-11 and what, what could have possibly happened and what all the conspiracy theorists say because it's good to know. Even if you don't believe it, you should know what they be saying. Don't trust the government. And if you haven't thought about buying a hammock, now is your chance to go get worldsbesthammocks.com and I'm going to shoot you straight if I can't figure out how to move some of these hammocks I'm going to just stop the whole deal and end it all and I'm going to have me a lifetime supply of hammocks is what I'm going to have so if you can think of anybody that might need a hammock I would love for you to send them to worldsbesthammocks.com and get the best hammock in the world where else can you get the world's best anything for a few hundred bucks Thanks again for listening to the Don't Sue Me Bro podcast. And no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what you say, don't sue me, bro. Pirates pots, my name shall be passed down to generations while debating up in barbershops. 
Young slung punk here, showed it from here With a little ambition, just what we can become here And that's the father passed the story down to his son's ears Younger kid, younger every year, yeah So if you love me, baby, this is how you let me know Don't ever let me go, that's how you let me know, baby Did you get the picture yet? I'm painting you a portrait of young. <laughs> 